Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and to the encyclopedia of the fairies, the fae of the world. So we're now on the G's, Gabriel Hounds. So, in Welsh fairy law, the Gabriel Hounds are a pack of spectral hounds prowling Durham, Lancashire, North Devon, Staffordshire and Yorkshire, England. Led by the Archangel Gabriel when the wild hunt is underway. Described as being overly large and having red ears and eyes. Their bodies glow eerily green or white. They fly through the air. Sometimes the hounds are said to have a human head. A Gabriel hound is believed to be created when an unbaptized baby dies. If seen hovering over an house, it is reputed these spectral hounds foretell death of one of its occupants. The Gahonga, <clears throat> known as stone throwers, one of the three types of the mountain-dwelling nymph, dwarf people from the folklore of the Iroquois people of North America. Um, Gahonga live in rivers in rocky terrain. Remarkably strong, they are called stone throwers, because they are fond of playing with boulders as a child would play with balls. Galar, one of the many dwarfs named in the Voluspa. Galatia, a sea nymph, meaning milk white. She was one of the Nereid, the daughters of Doris, and one of the Oceanid, and she lived off the coast of Sicily. The Galaxora. Born one of the 3,000 daughters of the Titans, Oceanus and Tethys. So she was an Oceanid from Greek mythology. There's two of her as well. Galene, a sea nymph, calm or tranquility, the Nereid of the calm seas from Greek mythology. Galena, a sea nymph from Greek mythology. She was a Nereid of the rock from the Greek side of mythology, she was born the daughter of Nerus and Doris. Galli Beggar, a ferocious skeleton apparition from Somerset and Suffolk in the north of England. The Galli Beggar carries its own severed head while walking about terrifying anyone who sees it. Yes, like the scream, like a banshee of Scotland, this is how this would scream and it's very capable of a freezing a man where it stands from its scream alone. And like the bull beggar of Surrey, England, the galley beggar seems to exist for the sole purpose of just frightening people. Most often, this fairy is sighted tobogganing from over a stowaway to nether stowaway, its head tucked right under its arm. The galley trot, also known as the hell beast, the swooning shadow and the churchyard dog. The galley trot is a fairy animal from British law. Typically said to roam in Bath, Slough and Woodbridge, it is very similar to the bar guest in the black shook, but it's described as looking like a shaggy, shadowy white dog rather than black, about the size of a bullock. Fearsome to behold its soulful and terrible howl it's heard before it is even seen. Typically in graveyards or along the side of lonesome roads. Apparently harmless, the Galatrot is unable to actually catch anyone who chases it. Gan Kinek 
the folklore of Ireland and Scotland, this solitary love talker appears in secluded glens. A little man smoking, apparently, on a clay pipe. He casts no shadow, and a mist lingers near him. Birds stop singing when Gan Kanek is near. It is unlucky for a young man to run into this fairy, as they will then be compelled to spend all of their money of trinkets and presents for their ladies. Women find themselves seduced by his conversation, gentle voice and twinkling black eyes. If a maiden should ever kiss Gan Kanek, he will instantly disappear, leaving his victim to pine to death in his absence. Gandalf Magic Elf was one of many dwarfs named in the Voluspa. Not, not the Gandalf you're thinking, okay? He was a dwarf in the Voluspa. Gandaya. The Gandaya are one of the three types of mountain nymphs um, or dwarf people from the folklore of the Rukwis people of North America. The Gahonga, um, there are two other spirits aside of it, but they're known as like a nature spirit. Like the earth's fertility. They create dew-cup charms and attract fruits and grains. And they cause them to bloom and sprout. So they bring life to the blooming, let's say. Gandharvas, also known as Gandhaba and Gandharvas. In India, the Gandharvas are a species of shy, small fairies living underground in caves. They are renowned for their amazing musical talent. Similar to the nymphs of Grecian mythology... The Gandharvas are male nature spirits of the wilderness, husbands of the Apsaras. They were created by Brahma from the stray droplets of water that created the gods and men. Associated with flowers and trees, they live within the scent of bark, blossoms and sap. The Gandharvas are always described as being part animal, typically a bird or a horse, but they are always beautiful and artful dancers. The chieftain of the Gandharas is named Tim Baru. The Gangana. In the fairy tale, the punishment of the fairy Gangans. From the collection Li Cabinet de Fay, the fairy Gangana made an arrangement with the king and queen wherein their son, Bataldo, would marry her niece if she were to ever have one. And that's all it really says about that one. Gans. They're a species of mountain-orient nature spirit from the folklore of the Apache people of North America. Neither good nor evil, but sent to teach the Apache the art of civilization. The Gana described as being vaporous in form. A shaman would often pray to the Gans, asking them to bring good fortune, improve agriculture, protect wildlife, and drive away evil spirits. In religious ceremonies, Four dancers will each wear a coloured headdress to represent one of the four different types of gan. Black for eagle feather, blue for turquoise, white for pollen, and yellow for deer skin. Gargaphia. Gargaphia was a nymph of the Gargaphian spring in the ancient Greece, near Platea. The Gienkanak. In Ireland and Scotland. The Gienkanak is a pixie-like fairy said to be the guardian of the hearth and home. Described as standing only a few inches tall, it had large blue slanted eyes and long pointed ears. The Gienkanak also wing was winged but would rather dematerialise in one place and rematerialise in another. 
these milk-drinking fae are but helpful and do enjoy playing pranks from time to time. Like the brownie, they are most active at night. Gendurwa, also known actually as Seetan as well, S-E-T-A-N, but also known as Gandharawo. It's Persian mythology anyway, and they were believed to be a type of haunting spirit, created when a person died in a violent way. So, whether it was benevolent or not, it was known to be a person at some point, and if they died in a violent way, it would come back as one of these types of fairies. The Ganesta, fairy tale Heart of the Ice, written by Colt the Kilos. The fairy Ganesta took under her protection and became fairy godmother of a prince. On the day of the child's christening, he was about to have placed on him a dozen or more undesirable traits by an unknown fairy from a distant land, who claimed to have been slighted by the child's parents. Ganesta had the ability to fly through the air as if skating on ice, send dreams, feed people food while they slept, teach knowledge of magical herbs, enchant people so they will see what she wants them to see, and place adventures in their paths of her favoured people so they would develop into brave, courageous individuals with good characters. Kind of sounds like, um, yeah, well... It does, doesn't it? It kind of sounds like Cinderella, but backwards sort of thing. <laughs> so, <clears throat> then we have the genie, and also this other genie is what they used to be called, and genies, but they're also known as jinn, and the dianinga. That's all the name for the genie, I guess. From the demonology of the Mende people of Sierra Leone comes the genie. Originally, men the ancestral spirits, genies evolved into generic good or evil spirits, then nature spirits, and in some places, demonic spirits. They are described as looking like a person of Portuguese descent and being white-skinned. Genies live in the deep forest or isolated mountainsides, or whatever Islam is practised. Genies have well-defined human emotions and passions. They are highly receptive to flattery and are notoriously fickle, a quality they especially share with the fairies of Europe. Genies have the ability to shapeshift into animals and people and are also capable of causing good fortune to enter into a person's life by use of their innate magical abilities. Occasionally, they will have sexual relations with humans or visit one while they sleep, but a genie will only attack when it is displeased with the personality of the men they it encounters. There is no formulated approach on how to deal with a genie who has been enraged except to act boldly. If dominance is not quickly established, it will claim dominance and have power over you. If this should happen, to escape out from under a genie's power, a sacrifice of something dearly loved or treasured must be offered, such as the life of your firstborn son. If a person becomes possessed by a genie, a magical mende ceremony must be performed. Genius Kukolatus, also known as the Genai Kukolatai. So, Genai Kukolatai, hooded spirits, are the species of nature spirits, which may have originally been now forgotten fertility goddess from ancient Celtic beliefs, but evolved into a masculine figure that appeared all throughout the Romano Celtic region from Britain to Pannonia. 
particularly in Gaul and Germany. Described as dwarfs wearing ghoulish hooded cloaks, they are depicted in art and sculpture usually in sets of threes. The hood the fairy wears is sometimes depicted in sculptures as being overly phallic. Further evidence that these spirits were associated with fertility. Traditionally, an exposed phallus is to ward off the evil eye, promotes personal fertility and prevents unnatural deaths from occurring. The male genii, Gugulate, are associated with the supernatural world and believed to be invisible to the eyes of mortal men. Gentle Annies, also known as Gentle Annie. On the Firth of Cromarty in the Highlands of Scotland, Gentle Annies, the weather spirit, and Hag, who controls the southwesterly gales and winds in the region, the terrain of the Firth is guarded against wind on the north and east by tall hill, but a gap allows sporadic and violent wind bursts to rush through, earning the Fae a reputation for treachery. It has been speculated by some folklorist. The gentle Anis is probably the aspect of Kaliak as her name implies an association to the Celtic goddess Anu, whose own origins lay in Black Anis of the Dane Hills. The gentry. The gentry are the shining ones. See he. In Ireland, the dentre, the deonoisi, was a euphemistic term applied to the most noble of fairy tribes. They lived in the hills and mountains. Described as being large, near seven foot tall, and glowing with white aura, these fays were worshipped, and shown a great deal of respect for fear of their wrathful retribution. They both sang and spoke in beautiful silvery voice. Some people hold the belief the gentry were the spirits or soul of their departed loved ones, while others felt these fae originated on another planet or another realm. The gentry as a race have always taken a great interest in human affairs and were moved to action when matters of justice and right came into question. It was believed whichever side they favoured in battle won. Military, aristocratic, the gentry had the ability to cause paralysis in humans, but seldom did so. So they craved salvation. They also had eyesight so keen they could see what lay buried beneath the earth. When one of the gentry happens upon a person they find to be particularly interesting, they would kidnap the person and transform their body into one like their own. This transformation was permanent as long as the individual never returned home. The gentry stay eternally young and never die for never die. It's also said that a gentry, the shining one, can be seen in human form even today. Apparently, so it says, they used to be <clears throat> they used to be the race of the shining ones, but as time went by, the shining ones realized that they needed people upon earth that could bring through their brightness just like they have in their bodies. And because they needed people on earth, what they did were, they gave some of their persona to children that were born and made them a shining one upon earth. These shining ones that are upon earth are said to be slightly different from any other human you've ever met. This could be simply because of the way they act. Their personality 
Maybe they don't fit in. Maybe they see things differently. Maybe they have a lot of artistic traits. They're also known as starseeds as well. And starseeds and the shining ones are one and the same. They are basically people who have always belonged to the fey realm. They come from the fey realm, but they have been given a human body to try and help the human race understand the progression of the earth. That's interesting. The next is Goroid. Born the son of the Earl of Desmond and the fairy queen Ane, Goroid was believed to live in the underwater kingdom located beneath Loch Once every seven years on a full moon, he would emerge from the lake as a fairy spirit, mounted on a great white horse, leading a fairy cavalcade. Hmm. Gur. <laughs> in Norse mythology, the Gur, Covetus or Glide. It's one of the dwarfs, anyway, that created the prized necklace for the goddess Freya. <clears throat> and that is the first part of our fairies, um, well, our G fairies, anyway. We've still got more to do, but um, I'm going to leave this part here for now, guys. Try and not make them go on as long as what the others do, because I know the others are a lot longer. But we'll continue with the G's when we come back. Thank you so much for listening. Please hit that like, share if you can. And also, if you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. Many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and to the Encyclopedia of the Fae. We're still on G, we've not finished them yet. We're on the Gilan, but it's also, I've got various names, it's also called the Al-Ghul and the Ghoul. It's from Islamic mythology and it's mentioned in the Quran, two of the Genesis of the Jinn. The first is divided into five classes, the Afrit. Gilan, Jean, Madri, Marid, and the Shaitan. In their genus, they are the fourth strongest of the jinn. The Gilan are born the children of Iblis. They have innate magical abilities and are expert shapeshifters. No matter the form they choose to appear in, they will always have hooves rather than feet. They use their shapeshifting to take on the appearance of a beautiful woman to lure a traveller away from his companions, at which point the Gilan will kill and consume him. Grave robbers, Gilan live in cemeteries. They are capable of being destroyed, but they must be hit hard enough to be killed with a single blow. A second assault will restart a Gilan to full health. Attack it once, not twice. <laughs> the Gilidu, also known as the Gilly you as well and dark haired lad so a couple of variations of names in Scottish folklore Gilly Doo, dark shoe is a nocturnal solitary fairy acting as a guardian of the trees much like a dryad or nature spirit in the area of Galock and Loch and Druing it's especially protective of birch trees 
described as having dark hair and clothed in leaves and moss, much like the green man. This fairy is not fond of humans, will capture anyone who endangers his trees. Offenders are either crushed to death in his strong green arms, becoming compost, or by use of fairy magic, enslaved for all eternity. The Gians, in the fairy lore of northern Italy, more specifically Sardinia, the Gians, or Gainis, are female species of solitary fairy. They are master weavers. They are found in cliffs, forests and hills. By use of their spinning wheel, they're able to tell the future by scrying into the wheel as it turns. They can also divine the location of buried treasures. Shy and fearful of man-made machines, these woodland fae have been known to assist humans. Giant. Obviously, a giant is a giant. Um, but there's also giants that are a species of fairy animal, a common to most other world's mythologies. Universally described as being larger and taller than a human, be it by a few or by several hundred feet. There the similarity ends. Depending on the culture, region and reason for having a giant in a tale, these beings come with a wide variety of characteristics, descriptions and personalities. Giants are being wise and war chiefs capable of leading armies, while others of their species are barely intelligent enough to talk and walk at the same time. Easily outwitted by the simple jacks of folklore. Some have said to be gods and the creatures of the universe, and pother are the progenitors of the great noble families, while others yet are more animal-like, living in caves, barely clothed in furs, wielding a misshapen club, robbing the countryside of its goats and sheep. Obviously, usually they have great strength. That's common in most giants. But this is typically in proportion to their size and not otherwise remarkable. Traditionally, they represent an obstacle an hero must overcome and defeat on his quest. Many tales of characters in them were described as being half a giant, where one of its parents was a human. Giants, like the rest of the Fae, are good or evil depending on their motivation. For instance, Paul Bunyan from American Folklore is a giant who is helpful to humans, assisting in taming the West and bringing civilization to mankind. Also like the Fae, many natural landmarks are named after them, for giants are often accredited with having created islands, mountains, rivers and standing stones. It appears whenever a giant is particularly bloodthirsty, cruel, well then it preys on humans to consume. And it likes to consume their flesh, but usually that's called an ogre. But this would be incorrect. For although the ogre can be gigantic in size, not all are. Most are in fact human size, but monstrous in appearance, due to their physical deformities. Giants play a particular important role in Greek and Norse mythology representing the force of nature and a violent natural phenomenon. The Ginar, the Deceiver, one of the many dwarfs named in the Voluspa. The Gerligowale, in Irish folklore Gerligowale, Stormy Storm, is a fairy in a story very similar to those of a petty fool, Rumpelstiltskin, Tit Tot. According to the story of his very busy wife worked late into the night, she was anxious over her spinning and weaving of flax. 
A fairy overheard the wife's distress and offered to do the work for her on one condition. His name, Girl Gulal Gual, be remembered. The wife agreed, but the fairy disappeared with a spinning. Furthermore, as soon as the fairy was gone from sight, his name was forgotten as well. The wife was afraid of what her family would think, but more fearful of the vengeance of the fairy, whose name she had forgotten. Nervous, she went walking in the field and happened upon a fairy king. But, more importantly, when the king had left, he left a fairy ring. But she heard the fairy she had bargained with, signing. If yon woman knew my name to be Gurley Goali, I would have neither frazy nor canvas. The wife happily returned home and waited for the fairy to return with the spinning completed. As soon as he appeared, the wife greeted him by name, and, well, the fairy handed over the spinning, as promised, and disappeared in a fit of rage. So it's a lot like Rumpelstiltskin, but it's older. Therefore, to tell the story is more complicated, because it's just old English, and some of it doesn't make sense, to be honest. Dugo the Gioret. In French fairy law, the princess Minion Minute, usually pronounced Girot, was said to have a kind heart but was difficult to live with as she was never able to make up her mind or stick to decisions. In a position similar to the fairy godmother, she was given the task of ruling the court of young king, a Saucy, until he was of age to assume his royal duties and responsibilities. Before she left the court, Girouette was determined to see the king married and selected Princess Diaphana, and that was a perfect choice. Gerp, Swedish fairy tale, the bird Gerp. It was said the fairy animal, a bird by the name of Gerp, had the ability to restore sight to the blind with its song. The bird was kept in a cage by a king and was guarded as his greatest treasure, the glashtig. Glashting meaning grey crouching object. This is one of the Fwath, and a collective name for the malicious and monstrous water fae in Scottish folklore. There are two sets of descriptions for this fairy. The first has it being a monstrous creature, part human, part goat. The ratio of human to animal varies, depending on the story. Sometimes it's able to hide its animal characteristics under a long green dress. This form of glashtig says it will lure a man to dance with it, and then, like a vampire, will drain him dry of blood. In true fairy fashion, it can also be benign and assist children and elderly in herding cattle. The glashtig is also described as looking like a woman with a wan, grey face, dusky skin, long blonde hair, in this guise, it is more like a tutelary guardian attached to a particular location. In most stories involving the glass stick, it is typically invisible, and seeing it is extremely rare. Disliking dogs and protecting people of weak intellect, the glass stick is said to be physically stronger than most other fairies. It has a particular interest in dairy cows and will go out of its way to protect them. A portion of milk is set out for the glashtig each evening to ensure its ongoing protection. 
Well, that's interesting. I've not heard of that before. Glass Gavlin, also known as the Duncow of Kirkham, the Duncow of McBrandy's Thicket, and Glass Gavlin, a fairy cow from Irish law. It would present itself to every household in anticipation of being milked. Described as being milk white and studded with bright green spots, it was said this fairy animal regularly made the rounds until one day a greedy woman was determined to obtain more than a daily pail, milked it into a sieve, running it dry, causing the cow, the cow to leave Ireland forever. There are various versions of this law told all over Wales and Ireland, but the basic story of it is the same, you know. When the cow's about, basically pastures grow greener. They are they are abundant in their growing, whatever they're growing, herbs or vegetables-wise. When, when the cow leaves, everything goes downhill. We've already done the glashtin. The glashtin is a goblin, remember? But we did that in the other one. Glousy, a sea nymph, bright green or sea green, was one of the named Neris in Greek mythology. Yep, she's in a lot of stories as well, actually, Glousy, yeah. which is surprising because not a lot of them have their own parts, but she does. Glauk was a nereid of grey waters and made the shimmering lights on the sea. She was one of the named Nerid, who accompanied Tetus in mourning the loss of her son. Glaukia, a nymph of the river, Scamandros, Introd, Anatolia, Glaukia of Greek mythology was loved by Demachos, also known as Drimachos, a companion of Godling, Heracles, also, that is Hercules to us now, during his Trojan expedition. The couple had a child together, a son named Scamander. Glaukonom, a nered of the Green Sea in Greek mythology. Gloi or gloin, two variations, meaning glowing. One of the many dwarfs in the Voluspa. And obviously gnome, we've already done gnome, so we're not going to do that again. Gob, though. In German folklore, Gob is the king of gnomes. This is a very rare individual gnome and seldom features as a character in a story. Gob has a magical sword and has the ability to manipulate the melancholy temperament of humans' melancholy temperament. That's a tongue twister. This associates him with the human black vial of alchemic medicine. And we already done a goblin. There are many different goblins, remember? They are all very different, not the same. Godda, also known as Gondol. In folklore from Shropshire, England, the fairy Godda married and became the wife of Wild Eric. She and her husband, along with his faithful band of followers, were said to ride out and take the field whenever England is threatened. As Gondol, she was one of the Valkyries. Goibnu, one of the Tuatha de Dianon. Goibnu was not only the weaponsmith who created his magical weapons for people, but he was also a brew master. In his other world roadhouse, Goibnu brewed ale made from the fruit of other world trees. Anyone who drank his ale would remain eternally vital and youthful 
Give me some art. I'd take that. Gaul. In Nordic and Teutonic mythology, Gaul, Mingrim or Herald, was one of the named Valkyries. A name for battle, always depicted as a beautiful woman, who was sometimes immortal. They are the attendants of the god, Odin. Gon Conair. In Irish law, also known as a love talker. It's like the Jean Kanesh that we've already done. Um, it's like an idol fairy living in remote valleys. They enjoy pipe smoking and making love to milkmaids and shepherdesses. Gondol. In Nordic and Teutonic mythology, Gondol, she-wolf, was one of the named Valkyries, a nymph of battle. Good Lubber. In the fairy law of Mansfield, Germany, the good Lubber was a fae to whom the bones of animals were offered up in sacrifice. Gooseberry Wife, also known as Althgoggin. In the folklore of England on the Isle of Wight, the Gooseberry Wife is a fairy appearing as a large and woolly caterpillar. It guards over gooseberries growing in gardens. Gorge. In Greek mythology, Gorge was a water nymph, actually one of the Danads. Gorgonzola. In the fairy tale, Art of Ice by Comte de Calou, the fairy Gorgonzola appeared as an old hag who had the ability to grow gigantic in size and magically transform her staff into a dragon, her cloak into a golden mantle, and her shoes into rockets. Malicious and vengeful by nature, Gorgonzola was known to transform herself into a black cat, sneak into a home, and steal the heart of a person, thereby rendering them loveless and unable to love. Gorgophone. In Greek mythology, Gorgophone, or Gorgophone, was a water nymph and one of the named Danads. Gozone. The Vens of Lundberg, Germany. Having their feral or a species of subterranean fae, they call the Gozone. Known to borrow bread, borrow bread from humans, portions would be left outside the family's door each night for them. When the Gozone came by to retrieve their meal, they would show their appreciation by knocking at the window and leaving an extra loaf of bread to show their appreciation. Hmm. The Grai, also known as the singular Grai, but they're also known as simply Crones. They were the grey-haired sea nymphs from the mythology of ancient Greece, and generally now we call them Crones, as in, obviously, because they are seen as wise and elderly women who know their stuff when it comes to magic and otherworldly things. Grain. So, hateful goddess. Grainia. Grainne. Grian. Grain of the bright cheeks. Grian. And grain of the bright cheeks. They're all the different names, but she's basically grain. A fairy queen from Linster Island. Grain could mean sun back then when it was made. Holds court in Tipperary on top of Palace Green Hill, also known as Knock Grain. There are numerous stories of Grain, such as one of her turning her father's enemies into badgers. But most of her stories are about her romance elopement and life with a diamond of the love spot. Although these tales vary, essentially Grain was promised by her father, King Comac, Macart, to be married 
to the head of his bodyguards, Finn Makul. At the wedding feast, she met and fell hopelessly in love with Diamuid, and by use of her magical abilities, they were able to escape. For 16 years, they fled Makul, living outdoors in makeshift camps with their four sons. Eventually, the god of love intervened. Finn forgave Grain, and the happy couple were finally able to settle down. Sadly, Diamuid was soon thereafter killed by a boar while hunting. At first, Grain blamed Finn for his death, but eventually managed to convince her otherwise. Soon thereafter, the couple were finally wed. Le Grand Collin, a famous household fairy from France, Le Grand Collin and his constant companion, a petit Collin, lived in or on the earth. Normally invisible, this fairy would show its appreciation from time to time by assisting in household chores, very similar to the brownie. Le Grand Colin and his companion enjoyed playing ball on the fields of Les Pessins. One of the large standing stones there is said to be his bat planted firmly into the ground during a moment's annoyance with Petit Colin. Grand Celine Nilly and it is actually variations of names. Some people just call it the Grandine, some people call it the Grandinili, and it's also been called the Somas Casu. In Sardinia, Italy, the fairy Grandinili causes whirlwinds. To see him is apparently an omen of misfortune. Grant, also known as Gervais of Tilbury. In British fairy law, the Grant is a species of fae described as looking like an oddly misshapen little horse walking on its hind legs. Although a fearful sight to behold, it's actually quite friendly and warns humans of impending dangers. Each Grant will attach itself to a particular place, be it meadow or village. When a Grant is sighted, it will be either during the heat of the day or near sunset. If there will be a fire within a day's time, the Grant will run up and down through the streets of the town, getting dogs to chase after it. We're not going to do the Green Children because we already did the story in the Green Children, so if you want to hear that, if you go back to the British fairies from A to Z, which is in the same playlist, the Green Children are in there. Green Coaties. Variations are Tiddy People, Tiddy Man, Yarthkins, Greenies, and the strangers. In Lincolnshire, Fen County, England, Greencoaties were the local euphemistic name given to the Yarth King's fairies for fear of offending them. They were described as wearing green coats and red caps. The Greencoaties were sometimes said to be benevolent like brownies, while at other times they were more akin to the Yallery brown tail, which you should know what the uh, yellowy brown tail is because um, we have done that one so we're going to go to gremlins we have done a bit of the gremlins before but we're going to do it again anyway because there's a bit more here but it has a different name the gremlin it's also called a spandule in england and germany the gremlin was originally believed to be a fairy being described as being covered with brownish fur bearing a malicious grin the sporting stubby terrier-like ears. 
They range in size, from being very small to as tall as a human. Law says once these fairies were able to fly, but have since lost this ability. Strong enough to tear through metal, gremlins are said to have little or need to eat or drink and live in high altitudes. Because they can no longer fly, they despise the fact humans have achieved it. Albite will use some machines. Nevertheless, the gremlins so resents this, they will sneak aboard airplanes and cause havoc, destroying the plane as it flies. The idea of gremlins sabotaging planes was first recorded by the British Air Force pilots during World War II. Reports were especially persistent from the photographic reconnaissance units PRU of RAF Benson, Wick and St. Eval. So it came from the British and it came from our pilots apparently. There are gremlins that do this. Greer, one of the dwarf named in the Voluspa. Grey Man, also known as Fair Leith and Far Leith. The Grey Man is an individual fairy and is greatly feared, as much as there is a, a special road of Fairhead in Anthrim reserved just for him to walk upon. Although he lacks the ability to speak, he takes great delight in causing the loss of human life, using his ability to create fog known as the Grey Man's Breath. This malicious and murderous fog will cause problems for people to see and make their way through. The fair will also obscure the rocks along the Irish and Scottish coasts in hope ships will crash into the jetties by using the fog. The grey man will also cause darkness on the road to those who travel along it so that they could maybe step off a cliff and fall to the death. Although the grey man can be warded off by the use of holy items and metal of the sprinkling of holy water. It is only a temporary fix. He will return, and with a vengeance. Greg. The Gregs are a species of small, merry fairy, dressed in green and wear red hats and stockings. Grigging apples. The small apples left on trees after harvest time in Somerset are said to remain there for the fairies. The Oxford Dictionary defines Greg as a baby eel, a cricket, a dwarf, or something small. Grim. Grim was one of the fairies mentioned being in the company of Robin Goodfellow. That was in the 17th century pamphlet. He and his fellow fairies, Gull, Patch and Pinch, are all said to have shape-shifting abilities. That's according to William Shakespeare's play, A Midsummer Night's Dream. Grim would bother those who travelled at night, appearing to them as fire, a headless bear, horse, a hound, and making frightening sounds and chase after them. <laughs> In the tempest, he was said to ride upon the back of bats, to fly through the night sky, to roost with the owl, and drink nectar from the cowslip blossoms. Grindelow In the folklore of Yorkshire, England, Grindelow was a nymph of water or water fairy, who lived at the bottom of pits, ponds and wells. When children came too close to her domain, she reached out, grabbed and held them under the water until they were drowned. She was used by parents as a nursery bogey to keep them away from water they should not go near. The Grochke In the British tale, The Grochke of the Isle of Loch, 
It is a fairy living on an island in the middle of a lake. And it was said this fairy was richer than all of the kings in the world combined. But to reach its island palace, one must find a small ship painted blue, shaped like a swan, with its head tucked under its wing. Upon boarding this, it will animate and take its passage to an underwater palace, which is made of blue, green, pink, lilac and white shells. The staircases of the palace are made of crystals. The gardens are full of plants and diamonds grow there, as if they were flowers. Men who seek this, for its treasures, are tricked into falling in love with her. And when they try to marry her, she transforms them into fish and tosses them into a pond. Well, that's nice. We have the Grogod, which we've done before, and it's a solitary fairy, Scottish Highlands, and it's kind of like a brownie. The Grogok, also known as the Uffininodari. Irish law, the Grogok was originally a species of half-human and half-fairy natives who left Kintyre, Scotland, and settled in Ireland. There are no females. Described as looking like a small elderly man clothed with coarse reddish hair, these fairies do not wear clothing, but rather cover themselves in dirt and twigs. They're well known for their lack of hygiene. Impervious to the cold and the heat of the elements, the Grogok lives in caves or in clefts in the landscape. Large stones dotting the countryside are known as Grogok's houses. So now you know what they are if you see them. <laughs> the Guild Folk, also known as the Guild Neighbours. The Guild Folk are a species of troll living in the interior of Green Hill. The interior walls of their subterranean homes are lined with gold and silver. Usually these fairies are described dressed in grey or green clothing. Gull. Gull was one of the fairies that was mentioned with the Robin Goodfellow. The Gumnut Babies. Created by Cecilia May Gibbs, 1877-1969, Gumnut Babies made their literary debut in January 1914. Like the Flower Fairies of England, which Gibbs was a native of, these fictional fairies become a part of many Australians' childhoods. So they were very small, chubby with blonde or red hair, and each fairy dressed according to the flower it represented. So they were just like flower fairies, basically. Gunlod, a lonely troll queen from Norse mythology. Gunlod was a guardian of three containers of the mead of poetry, which was made for the blood of Cassia or Vassia. The drink bestows poetic skills upon anyone who consumes it. Gun. Gun is a male fairy known to steal children and leave a changeling in their place. Hmm. Gurus. In Italian fairy law, the gurus are fairies with some control over the weather. These fairies have not been seen in many years and it's unknown if they are hiding or have simply died out. Gustir, meaning wind, <clears throat> was one of the dwarfs named in the Voluspa. We've already done that one, so we're not going to repeat um, the same ones because I don't think there's any point. We've done quite a lot in the others, like I say, if you go back, you'll see. Gwenanod, born the son of Nod, the Celtic god of war, Gwenanod, white, 
leather or white blessed, was Fairy King, ruler of goblins, leader of the wild hunt, pack master of Zwenawin, and ruler of the other world. Each Beltane he battled for the hand of Cradler, who may actually be his sister. Hmm. But there's lots of story of um, Gwenanod that you can find out there. If you research, there are plenty available, I can assure you. And that has brought us to an end with the G's. Well, the fairies in G, anyway. When we come back, we'll be able to move on to H and see what that holds for us. Please hit the like, share if you can. If you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. And if you wouldn't mind, leave me a comment because all of that is free and it really helps the channel. Many blessings.